beast! From the East Stand. <laughs> oh, lousy smart weather. <laughs> Episode 43. It's me and the prof, but we're not in Johnny Blues. No, we're not. We're in my lair, what do you call it? The lair. Prof's lair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's where we are. And uh, don't forget, we're still sponsored by Peachtree East. We've been out of action for the last couple of days, pretty much like everybody. Uh, the snow has been clear, but they're still open on Sundays. For, where kids eat free. So if you have any children and you need to save a few quid, get them on Peachtree East and they eat for free. And you just buy your main menu. So that's uh, Peachtree East as usual. And... We're still sponsored by Flagman, all the best flags in the world, and uh, he'll, uh, he'll he'll design anything you want. Literally, you, we come the one we came up with, we literally came off the top of our heads, and he came back with a fantastic design. So that's uh, that's Flagman world. So uh, we're going to talk about Dundalk and Bray. With no Limerick game postponed due to the snow, and then we have Derry coming up and Cork on the Monday as well. So we've loads to get through. And a new season of questions from the East End gets underway with Trevor Clark and Joey O'Brien in a face-off. The prof has come up with a fantastic new challenge for the players to keep them, keep, keeps their brain matter ticking over. And uh, you'll, you'll hear that. And an interview with Con Murphy, our fellow podcaster. So uh, people said we were very positive after the Bowls game. Prof, what did you think? Some people were surprised by how positive we were. Some people loved that we were so upbeat despite it, like a disastrous game in Daddy Mount, but that's how we are generally um, though in general that's how we kind of are unless it's awful we will call a spade a spade but we both felt it was a one-off mm. and based on the two following games it looks like we might be proved correct so I'm rising upwards yeah yeah I think so that was the Bowes game we, we already covered that in our last episode and uh, Jason Maloney the biggest club also said Mr Parsons predicting we'll score six goals in the next two games I'll buy a Shandy and Limerick if this happens so it looks like Limerick will be Shandy Central <laughs> On March, what was it, March 19th? March 19th, yeah. <laughs> and during the, the Bray game, when I got to 5 nil, I was texting Jay because I knew he'd be getting nervous. What do you say, Dio, the bets <laughs> off? The bets are off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we celebrated our one-year anniversary last week. Uh, thanks, Sean Bourne. He said, Jesus, man, how you've grown. Thanks for all your great work. Uh, please keep sending us messages like that. We love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we feed our egos. Keep the ego growing. And Jerry Coppinger, a St. Louis-based hoop in the States, he said the podcast fantastic, bought an eye home for the living room to make sure I never miss it. Skynet. We're talking about Skynet. Yeah, so that's one of those freaky Alexa systems, Prof. It's, uh, they're, they're very 
that I'm not sure how I feel about them. Like <laughs> I'd say, be careful, Jerry. The androids are trying to take over. I'm flattered that he got it just for us now, but <laughs> yeah, they let, let them to the house. They'll never leave. Yeah, uh, they were in. I think if if anybody watches Mr. Robot, one of the detectives in it has uh, an Alexa system. And Carl, you were saying that there was a film in the eighties called Demon Seed. Oh, Demon Seed, yeah, that that one will give you nightmares now. Where, so check that one out. The the house takes over and just terrorizes the woman who yeah, locks the doors and the, the windows. Yeah, watch it just for the ending because it's just so freaky. So we had some more hoops news. We had Ed Saul, uh, resident season ticket thrower. Uh, he said, "Hi lads, love the show. Can you mention my team, Freehouse Clover, who beat Crumlin United one 0 in, in Tala?" And are into the semi-final of the FAI New Balance Intermediate Cup where they know one game away from the Aviva. So that's Fairhouse. They're true to the semis and a great win and well done to the lads. Hope to see them in the Aviva. Yeah, best of luck to Ed's team. And uh, I mentioned at the end of last year how we've been getting sort of random private messages on Facebook from people. And uh, here's one from a guy. No intro, no hello or anything. It just read simply, can you send me smoke bombs? <laughs> It's like, do you know what? We just happen to have a cache in Carl's house. Yeah, we're going to send them on. I think people might have the wrong idea so about this random, show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll send you never free, yeah? yeah? That's no problem. Cork City fan and all he was. Yeah, and uh, so like we said, we're recording in the Prof's house today. The Prof's lair. Back to the origins. We started, uh, it was what, the West Coast Cooler back in the day. Natural progression onto Bulmers then. Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, ISS Pro, Championship Manager. <laughs> All mixed in with heads and volleys and uh, bundles of fizzy cola bottles from Frank's. Don't forget the green box of chocolate bars. The green box of chocolate bars. Which is actually bars. just behind you, Gar. The it green still box. exists. This has gone since yeah. we're like 10. That's a throwback. Yeah, yeah, so there's no flags or seeds from Windsor Park in here. I do have a junior hoops calendar on the wall, though. Yeah, an abundance of spokes where the prof uh, gets his stats and dartboard. Uh, <laughs> uh, acoustic guitar in case he wants to go Jeff Jarrett on anybody and smash it over their heads um, yeah so like we said we're in uh, a couple of doors down in Johnny Blues so we're just back from Snowmageddon the slush and it's cold it's icy it's slushy it's it's just nasty it's the aftermath of a big snow wind so it's it's hard it's, it's brutal it's just wet and windy and nasty the snow was great crack but I mean the country just fell apart I mean it was quite deep in fairness but the, I mean, the likes of Russia and other snow-laden countries cope with this on a regular basis. So, it's a, uh, it's mm. to, to be fair. I mean, this happens once every twenty, thirty years. Well, over those here. are like semi-Arctic countries. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're they're used to it. But, they're I mean, equipped to deal with it. But we literally for us, it was, a, it was a once-in-a-generation event. I think so. And I know lots of people are getting cabin fever. I think my cat got it worst of all because she was stuck inside for three days uh, I was loving it I, I, yeah. I, we had like three nights off work I stocked up in the awful Penny Hill carry out <laughs> straight down to them and just stocked up and had a, had a session for three nights four nights it was brilliant it was just nuts dog you, you, you head out on on Friday or Saturday and you go down to your news agents and all the milk shelves are just bare there was one newspaper left a single copy of the Irish Field I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, do you know, that's horses, horse yeah. racing. Yeah, that's why my dad bought yeah. it, no wonder. I yeah, know, it's brutal. It really was. I'm glad to see the back of it, to be honest. I mean, it was fantastic yeah. when it was powdery and fluffy and you can go out and make snowmans and have great crack with it. I'm really sick of it now. I'm glad to see the back of it. The slush is, is, is crap. The slush is nuts. Yeah. yeah, my local news agents stood on the top of a roof with a shotgun, standing next to a flaming barrel. You may enter 50 people at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so uh, I, I was out making snowmen, 
it was a uh, Lukey Bird. We spoke about that already and had great crack. Like I said, the teenagers. My kids now hate teenagers. That's all they say. They still, they look out the window like, teenagers, dad, get them. Get them. They snatched their snowman. Pesky teenagers. Yeah. Shaking fists at them. All the snowmen on Twitter were just so good. It discouraged me from making my own. Because there was so many with scarabs and jerseys and all. Like, I can't compete with this. Man, did you see the igloos? Oh yeah, people actually building man caves out of There was snow. a serious man cave on my road. There was one, I think the Harold Brothers and Crumlin did it. There was a guy, there's a there's a an Irish rapper called Kojak and he built like a perfect igloo. <laughs> it was the same shape, it had a little tunnel going into it. It was, it was unbelievable. I mean, the, the serious effort and Abby, my daughter, showed me how to do it. All you do is pretty much get like a container that you have your lunch in, fill it full of snow, pack it down, and then the bricks just come out perfectly. All <laughs> sit on each other, and then you'd have it done in maybe two or three hours if you really went for it. Jeez, I'm well jello. Yeah, well jello. Yeah, so that was class. And then we had some bad news as well in Tala. There was the little looting. I mean, let's be honest, Carl. Disgraceful scenes. I mean, looting and literally tearing the roof all the place. So here's what happened, pretty much. Everybody knows about it, but here's what happened. A couple of youths... They tried to open the doors. They looted it. They pried them open. Looted the place. That led to widespread looting. The parents sending their kids in and everything. And then a fucking mm. digger rolled up, Carl. Great parenting there, but Yeah, a digger rolled up and tore the place down, literally. And tried to open up the safe. Tried to open up the safe. So they cracked. They were, they were, they were lifting up the digger and slamming it down. The digger onto the safe. And they were trying to crack open the safe till the cops showed up. And I mean, anyone involved should be ashamed. Let's be honest. They're putting people out of work. A lot, of, a lot of residents shop there for convenience and value and it's no longer the case so I don't think they're going to rebuild either apparently they're disgusted with the whole torn events and they're not going to rebuild the place either so who does that? who tears down? who has access to these things? that's what I want to know there was I mean apparently there was one knocking around killing air and there was a digger but they were they were going around drinking cans on it but they were helping people apparently they were digging people out and just driving around but this this just puts a horrible shine on Tala in general. Yeah. Well, there was a video there of Tala residents digging an ambulance out of the snow, but that won't make as many headlines around the world, sadly. But, I mean, there's going to be good and bad. Obviously, that was insane. I can not believe it. I didn't realise how, like, interchangeable Tala, Jobstown and City West is in people's minds because... There's literally... One person would say Jobstown, next person would say Tala. 100 metres in it, yeah. Like, it was in City West, wasn't it? You could say the border, like yeah. right beside the uh, Magulium estate, which is rough enough mm. as it is. I mean, well, I suppose if this happened in Crumlin, I would suddenly hail from Cambridge as well. So <laughs> yeah, Cambridge. Yeah, but it was uh, it was disgusting, and like I hope it, I hope it never happens again. And hopefully, the people who who are involved get caught because it looks like slaps on the wrists all around. To be honest, at the moment, I like this comment from John Byrne. He said, "I've been saying it for days. Ireland would be the worst place on earth during a zombie apocalypse." <laughs> Oh, certainly would, wouldn't it? Yeah, so cabin fever truly set in. And um, like I said, we said we'd dish out one quick show and keep you happy. Prof had a fantastic interview with Podge. And um, Podge is a bit of a talker, isn't he? I thought he was a quiet guy. Yeah, he's a great talker. I mean, he just I love the way he was honest. I mean, you don't get you know those cookie cutter interviews with, with, with footballers say, oh, well, doesn't matter that I scored, you know, and I just wanted the team to go through. He was like, no, I yeah. wanted to score so I could be the guy who yeah. put Spurs out. I wanted to be that guy. That was really refreshing. And you talked about bragging about playing against Ronaldo and stuff. Like, yeah, just yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I wanted to be the guy that scored against Spurs yeah. every time I played against them. You know, it's definitely yeah. a cool guy. You can see him back in the hoops. At one last hurrah in his, uh, the final um, years of his career. Hopefully, anyway. I'd love to see Podge back. 
Yeah, we threw it together, but you could hardly call it a filler episode. It was pretty decent, snowed-in listening, I thought. It's pretty decent, snowed-in listening, yeah. And the Limber game being called off actually solved the problem in one sense because I wasn't sure where I was going to insert these interviews with Podge and Bobby and George because they were so long. Bobby so and George. So I just George, put them together. Too brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And I enjoyed the big chair last week while it lasted, but I suppose I shouldn't get too comfortable, Gare. <laughs> You're the leader. <laughs> But uh, it was it really was the two lads were excellent. I'd love to have a couple of points with them. I'd say it'd be they give us the real stories, the the, the stuff that mm. can't be aired. But um, if any two guys were longer, would you the spotlight on the show? I think it was George and Bobby. I think so. Definitely the case because if you look at the amount of effort that they put in, like I said, they, they this is this is their hobby. They could charge, so they're doing this for the love of rovers, and that's it's sad to say that there's not enough of that anymore. I mean, we have the volunteers who are still giving us a vow of silence they, they won't speak to us that's Richie Carroll Conor O'Sullivan How are you, Connor? they've they've stonewalled us we'll get them eventually but we want to we want to highlight everybody around the club who does do the good things I mean these guys give up their time the guys on the turnstiles I did the turnstiles once and you do miss the game and you, these these guys do it every week so you have to give them their kudos and say fair play they are keeping the club going and keeping the club alive shout out as well to Deccan Swanton our graphic designer because I wanted to try and put a good picture on last week's show and I thought are there pictures of Bobby and George because they're always taking the pictures yeah, I yeah thought, true I thought what are the chances of getting one of them together so I asked them and sure enough you had one of them having a point together I think that and might have been at the end of season lunch it was yeah I was so happy with that because they actually talked about in the interview how people think they have a rivalry and they say no they're actually good mates so I was so chuffed when I had them like and you could point. Yeah, no, you could hear them when they were speaking. Like Bobby yeah. was in the background agreeing with George yeah. most of the time, and they were having pretty much a conversation between themselves at times. Yeah. Where you can tell that they both genuinely love photography, and there's no rivalry there. It's like it's, it's like it's a passion that we both have for rovers. We're not trying to compete with each other over rovers. Who knows what and who 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 thinks is what is better? They're they're both interested in photography, and they're both interested in what each other does. Yeah. There's no real. Competitive. That really came across. I thought. As well. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. So definitely, like I said, love to have a point with the lads. Hopefully, they make it away to the away trip, and we can we can have a couple over there. But um, so we had a, we had other shows in the same boat as well. There's a couple of other Skypers out there with LOI Weekly and um, who else was uh, struggling to get their show out? Well, I think Con did his. He does his on a Sunday, so I think he escaped he the escaped, madness. Yeah, I think our show was definitely a lot better than the Late Late Show because. They literally pulled people in off the street. Yeah. Really should have just cancelled, lads. No one would have minded. But, um, you, you would have done the same, though, if you were, if you were the host. You're going to think of something. I mean, they want to go out and do it. They're there already. Did they actually pull people in the street? Yeah. <laughs> what, randomers? I think it was something like, the last time this happened in 1982, a couple took shelter in the Late Late Studio. So they emailed him again and said, can we come back again? Because it's oh, funny. Oh, right. Well, yeah. that, that wouldn't be too bad. No, that, that's, that's, there's something there anyway. There's they came in like wearing coats and just like literally <laughs> yeah. in off the street and then they sat in the audience. And then it turned off because it was just a bunch of RTE people there. I was talking to Ray Wilson earlier and he says that 82 wasn't this bad. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he, he's just a royal. He emigrated just after that, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I think yeah. it was 84, maybe after, yeah. 85, maybe after the four in a row. I'm not sure, but he was, uh, he was saying that he had to walk halfway home taxi man couldn't get in and he, when he got into the house he couldn't turn the heating on <laughs> I think the heat was knackered so he was freezing yeah there's a bit of tile out there now so 
With a bit of teamwork, we can all get the podcast moving again. That's it. And also the country. <laughs> well, force things for us, Carol. So, Paul O'Connell, our uh, Gary Twig Supporters Club saviour, he posted on Facebook, he was listening to us uh, at two in the morning on the Friday as the wind was howling down his chimney. So, whiskey loaded, check. Window seat to watch the snowstorm, check. And podcast on, check. So, I'm uh, I'm firmly in this boat with Paul. I was... Uh, so it was beautiful. I had a few Guinness and I just storm watched for an hour or two. A few chon- a few chons, a few tunes, and <laughs> took it all in. And it could be years before we see the likes of it again. It's actually really beautiful to just watch the snow, watch the mm. wind swirl, watch everything about it. It's stunning, and it's not going to happen again. And then you might have the odd person falling as well. He was walking by with their milk. <laughs> you go out and give them a hand. Sorry about that. I laughed. I'm sorry. Yeah, so like I said, it's it's not going to happen again for a long time, Carl. It's 82 was the last time. And this was apparently worse than 82. So my dad was telling me about he was stuck in Dunleary and they just ended up in a pub for three days. Like that's, <laughs> The pubs did a roaring trade, I reckon. I mean, I went into the Penny Hill in Carrio to get a couple of boxes or whatever and they literally had no boxes of beer it was just whatever was in the fridges people the first place they go to is the off license when they think they're going to be snowed in oh it's gas but um, we'll move on we'll talk about Kieran Stafford now and he uh, he had a great quote he said those who don't know the Yacht Pub it's the smallest in Rings End and there was 10 of us on Thursday night and that would have made up a lot of its capacity and none of the lads are rovers related but we spent an hour singing build me up buttercup and Sean Kavanagh is a hoop he hates bows. We'll talk more <laughs> about Sean Kavanagh soon. Oh, yes. Uh, like we talked about Ray already. He left Sydney to come here, Jordan. This. I think he's nuts. Great timing, right? <laughs> yeah, coming on to this mm. madness. I think Dan Fulham did the sensible thing and just stayed put. Dan, Dan Fulham, Dan, can we swap jobs, please? Because you were there on a working holiday. I find it very hard to believe that was a working holiday, man. You had a ball. And uh, he was giving out and he was saying that... the. Uh, that he wasn't too successful on Tinder over there. They don't like the pale, tubby Irish guys. <laughs> Maybe be harshing yourself there, Dan. And we had Gary Shaw with an interview about Snowmageddon Prof. Yeah, basically said that they, they couldn't really train over the few days. They tried to get some indoor training started in Sandry. Didn't work out. And he said he couldn't really train to any sort of decent level at home without proper facilities. So he said mainly was about watching his diet. Oh. Like not reaching for the biscuit tins and yeah. stuff. Which is something I did constantly. Oh, oh yeah. Last few days. Oh, I believe I did. But snowmageddon with Shazzy. Do you know what I thought would have been a good idea? It would have been old school. I would have got. I would have got a lot of shovels, and snow shovels, and said to the team, "Let's go. Let's clear the pitch." Same as training. I mean, you, you might as well. What's the big deal? Everybody else is out doing it. Doing their doing their gardens. Doing their pavers. Let's go. Get out and clear the pitch. Team building operation. I know. These pampered footballers. So we're going to move on to some other news now, some League of Ireland news, well former League of Ireland news, we have Patrick McElhaney and Sean McGuire on the score sheet for their English clubs over the weekend, the commentators, prof, butchering McElhaney's name, give us the pronunciation, what did they go with? I didn't hear it actually, but uh, we heard an interview with Podge last week about how much he's had to deal with those mispronunciations, so it's probably only going to get worse with McElhaney. Yeah, you should just give up, like Podge said, he just gave up. He said it's been it's been yeah. butchered. Just call me Podge. Yeah. <laughs> Former hoop Owen Doyle scored for Oldham as well. Yeah, good old Doyle scored my first ever Rovers goal that I saw. I spoke about that with Connor Fitz there recently in the for a for a program uh, editorial he was ta- he was talking to me about. I was telling him the first ever Rovers goal I saw. It was a Doyle header two thousand and eight in the Tolka last season in Tolka two one loss in uh, Daily Mount Park. Simon Madden cross, if I might add. 
Touchy subject. Touchy subject. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we're going to go back. Um, we're going to talk about the last couple of games we played. But first of all, there was Bradley's retort to Kenny about Sean Gannon. He said, if we threw the, the kitchen sink at him, the doc must have shown the whole kitchen at him. Should he be getting involved in these things, Prof? Uh, should we be getting involved in this slanging matches like mud slinging and well there's a media event the day before in Tala and the journals ask him about Kenny's comments so he's kind of in a lose-lose situation if he says nothing he's boring and he's just letting Kenny get away with shite if he says something where it's like well you haven't won anything yet so you're opening open himself up to criticism yeah, that way. Yeah, true. It's a bit of a lose-lose at times, isn't it? Well, I think he had to respond with something. Yeah, and, and I mean... He, what he said made sense and was funny. So I had no problem with it's, it. It's, it seems like Kenny's a bit desperate at the moment, isn't it? I mean, he's got a lot of pressure on his back now. I mean, he's got the investors who are leaning on... They're, they're putting money in. They've got a couple of foreign nationals in with caps. I mean, it's it's pressure now. It really is. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of the games. And, of course... Dundalk and the 1899 suite pre-match the food the drink the DJ everything Carl this like this this should be bringing a tear to some people's eyes that how how far we've come we didn't see the dark days the homeless days and look what look what we have we have our own bar we have two bars we we have DJs who are willing to play we've, we've people willing to serve food and by the way we, we told Ray we'd critique the burgers absolutely top notch <laughs> the curry brilliant and a lot of people were very happy with it but the burgers right you have the tails from the East End approval stamp on that one they even, were delish even outside this week there's a new Hoops food cart where you can get nachos uh, chilli fries all chilies, sorts hot dogs great stuff yeah. I mean it's fantastic the club are doing we're making great strides so it's all about matching that on the pitch now as well absolutely major kudos to everyone involved in that night because it was next level stuff the I mean, place was for, hopping for a League of Ireland game it was unreal I couldn't believe when we were looking around. I mean, I got in at bang on six. I said, I want to soak this up like a sponge and went in. Mm. And we, funnily enough, James Cook was only speaking to us about the Tala Brewery Priory. I think it's the Priory Brewery. Yeah. And they have an IPA. And he was only talking to us about it, saying, geez, they should get them in. And then the guys just happened to be walking around giving out free samples. Yeah. So we we've, I must have drank about 10 or fucking 12 samples, lashing them in. So I got one or two points. Speak then. for yourself. Yeah. It's actually nice. I'm not a fan of IPA. I just, I just, I'm just not crazy about it. But this was actually lovely. I had hints of grapefruit. But James Cook, I said it to him when he came in and said, "Did you organise this? You get the lads in." I said, "No, he didn't. He nothing to do with it." But it was fantastic. Great to see them in, and it it is nice stuff. So hopefully they they return and a big shout out to the Priory Brewery. Yeah, so that's a big shout out to Priory Brewery and their their lovely IPA. We actually I actually spoke to the master brewer, and I said to him, "Jesus, uh, was this brewed in a bathtub and?" In Jobstown, he wasn't too happy with that. He didn't know what to say. I said, I've drank worse. But no, it was a, it was a fantastic night. It really was. And the tunes were great as well. Very uh, Rovers, a Rovers shade of green on it. But uh, we're going to move on down to, we have Sean O'Connor, a quote for him. And he said, for the first time ever, the match day experience overshadowed the actual match. The 1899 is a fantastic addition and it will only get better. He said, at times I found myself thinking, is this really a League of Ireland game? Drinks, offers, decent grub and well managed. Amazing. Well done to all involved. And especially the cheap beer as well. Three bottles for a tenner. Yeah. And you had your Guinness for a fiver. I mean, it's it really went down well. And I can't wait for the, the kind of, well, the, the category A games, as they say. That's when it's really going to kick off the corks. 
Dundalk at home again Bowes at home Pats at home that's when you're going to have your good it's going to, we're going to struggle with Bray let's be honest Bray at home maybe Especially. Limerick we could even come to a thing where we could maybe maybe let Limerick fans in some people like thought that. it would be open on a Monday, but I mean, no, it's don't it's, think I shouldn't expect that. Especially with the snow, the snow was kind of kicking in then as well. It was tough. So as for the game in itself, Gary, this is a first for the podcast because we have a nil-nil game to talk about. First time oh, no. in fifty-one competitive games. Fifty-one games. Last time was Bray in October twenty sixteen. And what did you say before the game? Bradza doesn't do nil-nil. Yeah, I gave you all those stats beforehand. Yeah, and then it happened. <laughs> Actually, Stephen Kenny had never drawn nil-nil away in the league. Ever? As Dundalk as manager. Dundalk manager. Yeah, they, we always spoke about their fantastic yeah. away record. Jeez, that's crazy. But we're going to move on to the team selection now when Lopez was dropped. But Gilchrist moved into centre-back and Lukey Bourne started a left full. McAllister came in ahead as captain of the Ro- injured Ronan Finn. So, um, as for our team selection, Carl, I thought, I thought it was the right thing to drop Lopez. I don't think I dropped him pre-game in our selections but I think it was the right no, I thing I think you did drop him I, I, I'm, I'm not sure but I might but either way Ali G is a fantastic addition to the squad a lovely football and centre half I'm really really interested to see who he gets on Lukey Bourne was solid at the back again and we were wondering how we'd get on against our pacey wingers with Dylan Connolly and Duffy Duffy was fantastic let's be honest he was he, he yeah. gave Boyle a hard time but um, we're going to move on now to our chances yeah, Lukey Byrne, it was a great performance by him. He had Dylan Connolly in his pocket. In that pocket. I think he's oh, still yeah. there now. He's not yeah. letting him out. But even, the, even, do you know what, a couple of neutrals I had invited to the game, they were in the main stand. And then her brother-in-law and a few other lads came along and they were. I was talking to them afterwards and they said, Jesus, Dylan Connolly has gone downhill and Lukey Byrne has just stepped up to the mark. So yeah. he, just, he, had him, he had him sussed the whole time. That game really showed me that Dylan Connolly really doesn't have much about him. Other pace. Than pace. That's a kick. Do you know what? People might disagree, but he reminds me of Billy Dennehy in a way. But Billy had a little bit more to his game than that. Billy used to knock it by it and run because he had the pace. But Billy could score goals and Billy got into the right positions and he tracked back and he worked hard. Dylan Connolly doesn't have that. He's got a bad mm. attitude. He doesn't doesn't want to do the work. It doesn't work for him. And then he goes on a strop and he got hauled off, I think, didn't he? He scored a few a few days later in an eight 0 win where a defender fell over and he capitalised. So way to go, Dylan! Yeah, but, well done. And um, we had other chances as well. Uh, an absolute cracker of a shot from Brando. We uh, we we were jumping around thinking it went in. We think it's going to hit the inside of the post and just go in. I was convinced it was going in. Everyone was. What an opportunity yeah. strike! Great shot, but a half Italian stallion. The half Italian stallion who actually I was in the Roma takeaway last night in Lucan. And that's not a cheap plug they don't sponsor us but you can still go they do nice kebabs <laughs> and he is uh, he grew up with Brando and he says no where was it he said he grew up with Brando's father in Italy really yeah and he was slagging me he was saying Jesus tell him tell him I can't remember his name now I'm brutal with names but he said that uh, tell him he's not really from Casino he's from another town a little bit outside and he said he remembers him kicking he remembers remembers him kicking a ball when he was younger and thinking that he was going to be a good player so that was pretty cool wow I like that yeah so someone who grew up with his, and his, his grandfather he said he, he worked with his, Brando's grandfather in a chipper in the north side years <laughs> ago so it was pretty cool I got chatting to him about that and then there was the Horgan and the Gilchrist mix-up, which I think I heard Horgan scream. Yeah, he did call for it. I think he did call for it, so it was a bit of a mix-up, and he certainly let Gilchrist know. Yeah, maybe a language barrier there. you got a Scotsman and a Galvegian, <laughs> so... Yeah, but it, it de- I definitely heard a shout, so a bit of a mix-up, and like I said, Gilchrist made up for it again. He was, he was fantastic. There was very few chances. Um, 
it was it was a tight enough game. I thought we shaded it, but the clearly chance we we got away with more than there. Could you imagine the headlines if he had scored in that? Oh man, I'm sick. Yeah. I would have been sick, and I guarantee he would have came over to maybe the East Stand and rubbed it in our noses. But it was a very poor miss from him. And Six yards out over the bar. That came from Horgan flapping at the ball. Uh, I think he backed. He hit it with chance. his back, didn't he? He kind of turned it, tried to yeah. punch it, hit his back, and then. One thing, just one note about the two games. We kept clean sheeting both, but people are noticing that we weren't playing out from the back. If you remember, Tomer, his distribution was very good, mm. but it's been long balls from our keeper all three games. Well, I will say, though, from our keeper, certainly, but the likes of Gilchrist, who we'll talk about his his goal, he, he nearly set up a goal. I think it was Brando's goal. He he passed the ball out to I think it was Kavanagh or whatever the, whatever way the play broke. It was Gilchrist who initiated the whole the whole. Uh, it was it was Gilchrist who initiated the whole move from passing out from the back. So he, he is a football in centre half. Yeah, just predicting the dot game. I mean, though, when we were under the cosh a bit, our long kick out was just invited pressure back on ourselves again. You know, and I know as well about about goalkeeping. Adam Cody in Soccer Republic said that we made a hoo ha. About keeping Tomer for a second season. <laughs> he said hoo-ha. So, I was thinking about this. There was an announcement made about four players staying on for next season. Tomer was among the four. And he got a restrained few sentences at the end. How is that a hoo-ha? Maybe he thinks he knows something behind the scenes, but there's there's no evidence to say it was a hoo-ha. Carl, what is a hoo-ha? Let's ask Alan Cody, because I don't know. <laughs> is it, he's from Sligo, is he? Or Dundalk? Yeah. It's a Sligo speak, From Sligo, so he is. <laughs> so there, there wasn't really many chances to talk about such a tight game yeah Holborn dragged one wide in the second half Horgan didn't even have a save to make in the game though really no but neither did Rogers really did he Mele hit a tame shot straight at him yeah. if you can even count that but, uh, he was buried for the, the shot that hit the bar yeah but that was our first home league clean sheet since May wow <laughs> really yeah. we haven't hit yeah. the clean sheet at home since May before that one, yeah. Wow, Statzilla. It was actually still a decent game. Statosaurus Rex again. Yeah. It, was, it was actually still a good, a good game, I thought. It was interesting. Oh, no, it was. It kept us on the edge of our seats. I mean, it was It was like As Neil there was Neil's a bit goal. of magic. Yeah, there yeah. was a bit of magic ready to, like, Brando nearly produced it. It was like there was something just about to happen because you could see it. it was a tense game. It wasn't as if it was one of those lackadaisy kind of games that just kind of goes by without any, any uh, incidents. It certainly was a tense game. Three of the four Irish stations were showing rugby. And just our luck, that awful Bowes game, that's what's been shown to the world so far, you know. So Karen Kavanagh came over the home debuts and... Uh, Cam- cameos, really. Yeah, cameos, really. It was just kind of hoping that they'd change the game in some way. And with Kavanagh's delivery on that left foot of his, mm. who I've now christened Gandalf, that's the name of his foot. <laughs> that staff of a left foot, Unbelievable. Having said that, even though he was only on 10 minutes in this game, you could actually see that there was something a bit special there. We all know what he ended up doing the following Monday. But he nearly got through on goal at one point, And unluckily, he was just offside. The Lionsman with the Donald Trump hair. Donald Trump, him yeah. Off. He's actually from Crumlin. <laughs> yeah. He's from Dura Road. Yeah, so we had other performances. And uh, like I said, it was it was one of those, nobody really stood out, you know. I mean, I think... Um, well, Lee Grace was masterful, as he always yeah, is. Yeah, that's going to be some partnership. Yeah. And Lopez certainly has his... He's going to have to work hard to get back into that team. And I can't see it happening, because the two of them work really well together. And 
I mean, they both play football. They're both good in the air. They're both completes in the halves, in my opinion. It's all about who's going to play fullback now. I mean, I mean, will Luki get in after a great performance? And then we've still talked about Trev coming back as well. So You've played three different left-backs so far, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ethan Boyle grew into the game, second half. Improved performance by him. He's just a unit, isn't he? He's like a wardrobe. <laughs> he, like, Ethan the wardrobe Boyle. He's so big and he has an orthodox way of running as well. Like he's not going to yeah. be the Madden. We can rule that out. He's not going to be bombing up and down and swinging in crosses. He's going to get forward, I think, as much as he can. But I don't think he has the ability to to do what Madden did, which is unfair really to keep comparing him to Madden because Madden's gone. But I think he's going to be. I think he will grow in to his position and he will be a success. I knew this would happen though. I knew the Madden thing would just linger over him for the it first will. four or five months. It's really unfair. Yeah, no, it is unfair, and it's it's. Like I just compared him to him, so you have to judge him on his own. You can't yeah. be comparing him to the previous. Like, I, to be honest, I don't think anybody competing with him is ever going to win a fifty-fifty tackle, a header, or any sort of hustle and bustle. They're, or shoulder him off the ball or anything like that because he's an absolute tank. He had a good battle with Aaron Green. Yeah, in, in the Bray game. So I don't. And he think, came out on top for the most yeah, part. Yeah, no, I think so. And Aaron Green is, is is pretty good on his day. So. I was very disappointed by Kustrain this game, I have to say. Yeah, he didn't no, no, didn't amount to much, did he? Mm. But uh, it was probably a good time to play Dundalk because obviously they ended up beating Limerick 8-0. So kind of both teams were kind of finding their feet early into the season. Yeah, and went on to vent at uh, the lesser teams after that. So we'll talk about the crowd. Uh, the crowd was officially 4,000, which... It's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, the place was packed. You've done well to squeeze another two thousand in there somehow, but it was pretty damn full. Fantastic atmosphere as well. And once again, I mean, we're getting behind the team. And uh, as someone said, on Rovers chat, they only counted humans. <laughs> <laughs> that was the official yeah. human attendance. Yeah. Well, it was obviously the paid-in attendance. I mean, was, the kids go free. That's a big part of the attendance so they're not being counted so it's paying customers but it's just that it would have been great PR for the club if the real figure of probably nearly five and a half thousand I think so yeah broke the five easily broke five anyway so we got the real figure because they got Cork double winners playing a monster derby they got 6,400 impressive but look at Rovers we haven't won a major trophy in years yeah and we had five and a half thousand at that game so it would have been a cool statement to see in the papers, you know, but the official was 4,000. Official 4,000, yeah. And uh, then we have movement between the East and the West Stand. Uh, retinal and fingerprint scans needed to get yeah. by. Including children. <laughs> it was crazy, wasn't it? At one stage, one of the securals was chasing somebody, weren't they? Was it? Were you telling me that? They were chasing some little fella? No, like, I didn't see that. Back you little bollocks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was really tough to oh, get through. Oh, one kid kept chancing his arm over and over again. He was like, I told you, no. Yeah. I think there's there's definitely some sort of it's it's because of the building side there they can't afford to have anybody hurting themselves or being in and around it it has mm. to be because it's never like that before well the flags were still had to be hung up uh, alongside that pathway anyway you had the Nate's kangaroo flag mm-hmm. you can see that one the Bray game that was the only one on the whole left side just know, the kangaroo yeah. and uh, ours, the, ours made its debut Tales from the East End made its home debut did indeed and uh, the Rovers Prasky Boys flag. That's a cool one. I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Excellent. Do you know who that is? Uh, no, I don't know. Prasky Boys, make yourselves known for loving that flag. Yeah. But the uh, Block P of the East End was still closed off. Are we still being punished from last season? I don't know. Um, do you know what? I think they might have to close that off because it's the closest 
block to the building the building site maybe maybe so that's that's the only thing I can think of it's probably some insurance thing but um, yeah we had Jason Maloney was surprised by how toxic uh, some of the so called support in the West End and it's something that we touched on a couple of times last year when we watched a couple of games there I'm, I am I agree completely with Jason I, I can't stand the moaning and the mm. constant dra- drain of energy that comes from that, that stand at times now obviously it's not everybody but any time I've been there every little thing is cr- scrutinised and criticised and moaned yeah. at I wouldn't be able. I wouldn't be able. To. Plus, I don't really like sitting watching games either. So I'd have to go over and stand in the east stand. And the there are moaners in the east stand, but it's more about the the big crucial moments. Yeah, the west stand is like everything. It's just a constant drone. But like I said, we're not we're not labeling everybody, but there is a there is a percentage there. No, just Mason so, wasn't too pleased with the being tarnished with the whole brush of the, yeah, the west stand. Stand wars was yeah. was was breaking out, and uh, we had fourth program of the season. Excellent read again with Joel Costan on the cover and uh, it was uh, another fantastic read so once again as you know where it's on sale when the whole thing make sure you go in there and you get it the prof has an article in it every week uh, Connor Fitzpatrick from the programme says as some of you uh, will have seen the hoop scene there will be a spotlight on a Rovers fan every week we're currently inviting people to share any interesting stories or tales from following the club if you have someone who know, you know would be interested let me know via messenger or twitter at concur M, that's uh, at C-O-N-C-H-U-R-N-G-P Concor M-G-P and we can try to organise something so if you know any good Hoops fans out there who'd be very interested and interested in doing a piece for the programme let us know I'm doing one this week is it? Mm-hmm. next week? yeah the Dairy Game the Prof nominated me you're in it uh, and I spoke about yourself a few times as well Prof nothing, nothing embarrassing oh no oh, <laughs> I don't want to read it now <laughs> yeah so uh, more fantastic work being done by the programme guys and uh, Stephen Bradley in an interview after Dundalk said my wife won't be happy but I'll go over the game tonight till all hours which is fantastic to hear because mm. my wife calls herself a Rovers widow and it's uh, it, it is true at times mm-hmm. I mean even today we're taking up the whole Sunday me and the prof are off our points after this so it's uh, it's just one of those things it just takes up your life and I'm glad to see that Brad's are, is is enveloping himself in the culture and the way of life that it is because we were up at Rollstone last Tuesday or Wednesday and we were welcomed with open arms who were the first two that came over to us asking what was going to happen what was next who's going to get questioned it was Lukey Bourne and Finn came <laughs> over handshakes hand slaps look or one of the guys Steve McPhail straight over shaking hands how are you lads how are you doing what he's up to this week Brad's are the same as well I'll go in and check see see what they're doing if they're ready for you absolutely everybody Darren Dillon forced over like everybody just comes over shakes hands has a chat yeah. Finner and, and Lukey were really interesting and Tomer as well. Tomer sat with us for about 10 minutes afterwards uh, criticising and, and having his way with the questions that we asked Joey and Trev. So it's we're looked after big time. So big thank you to everybody who organises that and, and Mark Lynch for his help as the media officer. Yeah, we're always welcome every single time. Rollstone kickstarts. So. But I think I think most people can agree, maybe some won't, but Stephen Bradley is the most dedicated manager we've had since Michael O'Neill. Oh, yeah, great show. Now, he's yet to win things. He still has to prove himself. That's that's obvious. But like Kenny and Nusty did at other clubs. But in terms of being manager of our club, since O'Neill, he's the most dedicated. He's put in the most errors. I think so. And you're looking at him taking under twelves. Like Tony O'Dell told us, he's coaching under twelves. He's co- he knows all the names. He's dedicated. He's he he wants this to succeed. I mean, building a legacy is what he's doing. 
I mean, he, he could look at this and think, you know, to be honest, I spoke to, to Connor Fitz again. I He said, what would you like to achieve for this season? I said, I'd like a trophy. I'd like a trophy to show how far we've progressed as a squad and, and Brad's work that he's put in. I think we deserve that. I think we honestly deserve some sort of silverware and, and a nice few, maybe a true around in Europe and, and really ch- challenge for the title. Because um, I think the team that's there involved now and the squad that we have and the football department, I, mean, I think we deserve it for the work that's gone into it. I really do. And people might disagree, but listen, my my cup is always half full. And um, if if there is a problem, we will address it. But like I said, we're, I think me and the prof are both happy with the club at the moment and the way things are being run, the way things are going. And Rome wasn't built in the day. That's what people have to remember. That's that's the way I feel anyway. So we have uh, other results now. We have uh, League of Ireland results where Cork 2, Waterford 0. We had Bray lost 2-1 at home to Pats. That was Pat's second league win outside of Dublin in the last 18 months. Well, and the other was Drada, who were relegated. Jesus. So they struggle on the road. Yeah. And then we had Sligo, who won 2-1 at the showgrounds versus Derry. So um, Limerick also won one with balls in Marketsfield. And the uh, 90th minute equaliser from Stokes. Uh, Roy's goal for Sligo was really good at that. Sweet you finish. You see that one? Yeah. That was very good. It was a, uh, I wouldn't say Twiggy esque, but it was it was. He had a lot to do. It was a super finish, yeah. Right but, in the uh, bottom corner. And as a showground, someone prank called the stadium announcer. And so I go, <laughs> this is brilliant. Yeah, he said, "There's a car causing an obstruction." N E one, four A B J. We'll say again. That's anyone for a B J. Please <laughs> report to the car park. <laughs> oh God. So that was uh, the roundup of our uh, Premier Division games, but we're going to top with the Fourth Division now. Carl, I'm really interested in this this year. I think there's there's at least five teams that could win it. Now I'm putting my money on Galway because I think they've Danny Furlong and he proved it already. He banged in a hat trick. That guy can score yeah. for fun in that league. That's probably the best signing in the whole first. 100 percent agreed. Yeah, and and the, considering the turmoil that's going off the field, Shane Keegan was speaking on the other League of Ireland podcasts recently, and he said that they've nowhere to train. There's a big row going on between them and Merview. The only other Astro was in that loan. They've no actual tactics done. They're just doing like. Uh, fitness work so t- for them to get off to a good start is really amazing so I'm, I'm, I think I'll be rooting for Galway uh, obvious reasons maybe might, might come to that <laughs> but I would like to see them go back up because they're a good club and it's a good way to lock around bar and um, so the first division kicked off and like you said Danny Forlong had a hat-trick on his debut for Galway an assist for Aaron Dobbs in Wexford's win who had a good pre-season scored a couple of goals and our other Londo player, Mikey O'Connor, is still waiting to play his first game for Finn Harps. Yeah, they still haven't played a competitive game this season, Harps, because the League Cup game was called off on Monday as well. Oh, God. He's cracking up, I'd say. But their match in Drogheda was called off and only half the bulbs and the floodlights were working. Yeah, there was a long discussion about this on Soccer Republic. Did you see it? Yeah. It's, uh... I don't know what to say about this. I mean, I know there's a, there's a guy who's very close to the board in who drives for my job in on post and he said that they had all the bulbs and they're ready to go in and I was like well that's why, didn't they, why aren't they in well, why weren't they in or what was the problem I mean apparently they played all the pre-season games there as well no ref had a problem with it but if the referee calls off a game because he thinks it's too dark then that's embarrassing that's a problem that should have been addressed and I don't know maybe, maybe they thought they'd get away with it but if you listen to all the explanations it's an FAI on ground Drahada made clear the problem 
that it wouldn't be sorted for a few weeks, so everyone knew the issue, and yet it still wasn't moved to an afternoon kickoff. And the FAI are still charging them, I mean, through the nose apparently, for rent as well, so that's 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 just what you're dealing with when it comes to the FAI. I mean, if they're fair enough, they've done some good things in the past and, and recently as regards to the league, but they, they really need to get their finger out with this. I think they might just forget about Trotter now they're in the fourth division. It really comes down to the whim of a referee at the end of the day because like the referees in pre-season didn't have a problem with it. The FBI knew the problem. Does it's, that it's whole mindset ground. come in where they think oh, it's pre-season let it go ahead? Possibly, yeah. It is, it's nuts. It is a crazy situation. It just came down to no one really knew what the referee would think on the day of a league game. I've never ever heard of it, have you? Not enough light bulbs, that's what the game has been called off. Postponed due to lack of light bulbs. I think I've heard of postponed games because Failure. the pitch was too dark and stuff. Yeah. Failure of light bulbs, but never yeah. because it's not enough. You know, it's 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 quite embarrassing for the league. And two good managers mm. who actually had a very good interview on Soccer Republic about it and Tim Clancy was you could see he was just he, he was just upset about it. He was just like, But like, what what can we do? And so that was his first game as manager. First game as manager, yeah. yeah. And then he had Ollie came out with another quotable classic from <laughs> the reporter said to him so what are you going to do now he goes I don't know I think about going to Mother Hughes for a point <laughs> sure why not paid for the yeah. bus paid for the food paid for the preparation to come down then the game's called off might as well go for a point because coincidentally already had sent our cameras up there for the game which they rarely do for a first division match yeah. and sure enough was called off oh, that's crazy but uh, there was a great interview in the Irish Examiner with uh, Drahada fan Arthur Matthews You'd know him as the, the co-writer of Father Ted. Okay. The game could have gone ahead. Even the two managers said so. When kickoff was five minutes late, then ten minutes late, it was a case of, what's happening here? I had no idea. The lights aren't the brightest, but it never occurred to me that they caused the game to be called off. Then over the PA, this very grim voice, we have an announcement. <laughs> my, very, my first thought was that maybe there had been a massive terrorist attack somewhere, or North Korea had launched a nuclear missile. I thought of those possibilities before I ever thought might be a problem with the floodlights <laughs> brilliant isn't he um, so uh, it was a great quote for him as well about the domestic league he said I think it's a classic lack of imagination that you have in Ireland people can't make the connection that if you go and support your local club the money will come in the gate the grounds will get better and the club will get better players and then they'll be able to compete in Europe it's just a thing in Ireland that people can't make that imaginative leap and it's something that we champion all the time we we always say it just take in a game if you love football like I said we're I call ourselves football connoisseurs we we'll watch like we used to watch Glenmore out the back in in the the Maccabi fields there as they call it or the or with the Des Duffy stand as well remember they had a little stand <laughs> the tiny little white stand yeah. and you'd watch the game and um I think there was a fellow who used to call him Batman remember and, and we, yeah. we said to him why do you call him Batman he said because I, I fly up the wings <laughs> that's what he used to say there's a few extra hours links there exactly yeah, yeah it was Darren Maguire Connor Flynn is, I think he's the manager now Connor Flynn was probably the, the superstar at the time wasn't he yeah tall of, striker of our of our um, of our, mm. our childhood anyway but that, listen that's you'll find something you love about any, any game if you genuinely love football like I'll take in Leinster Senior Games because it's a good standard of amateur football, it's it really is. You go and watch Crumlin, Bluebell, Moctis. Like that's some good footballers. Like you have a lot of league. Like Jason Bourne is playing for Bluebell. They've got a lot of good players there. And if you love football, you find anything you love in any game of football. And all these football and snobs have no time. I really don't. No time for them. That was one of the best interviews I've read in a long time. The Arts matches one. So definitely go and check it out. And we, I have another thing in common with uh, Arthur, and that that is in terms of following Ireland. 
we both lost interest at the exact same time 2010 under Chapatoni. we he, were avid he had just had enough at that point yeah we were avid Ireland fans for years you know we used to hang off and we used to pray Kilban whenever the ball would go out left we going don't <laughs> don't go we used to hate Kilban yeah <laughs> I was still shocked how he got 100 caps um, yeah, really but underappreciated McCarthy at the time looking yeah, back now like we think so yeah. yeah another good quote from the week was Kenny Shields the the master of mind games on both they're full time they pretend they're part time they always <laughs> attempt to be the underdog it's a myth don't believe it they're probably trained more than us <laughs> but you know what I love about that I held the laughter when I, I guarantee you I love you, this right? so much I guarantee you he was thinking to himself we're going up to Bose they're playing well at the moment I'm going to come out with a silly, silly statement and hope they come out all guns blazing and then we can hit them on the break. And it worked. They won 1-0. They got the three points. Is, uh, is there some truth in it though? I mean, they've got the biggest squad in the whole Premier it's Division. Bollocks, Carl. They're not, they're not part-time. They train uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday. They train four nights a week. But do you remember in... Uh, four nights. Remember December or was it early January? They announced nine players on two-year contracts. Mm. It's, a, it's bollocks it is a myth they, they train four or five nights a week and that's not part time part time is two nights a week they train four at least at the minimum so for them to come out and it suits them fine to just come out and say that because Long loves that if he loses to let's say Limerick at home he could say oh well you know we're part time and we don't get to do this don't get mm. to do that it's bollocks uh, sure every manager is proven to some degree I mean Kenny is talking about balls having to pick a Dublin against what five other clubs he is the pick of the north she is in a much more advantageous position yeah it's um, so we're, we're going to listen to the names of some of the players that signed for League of Ireland clubs before the transfer deadline Carl I, I'm thanking you for this already I love this I love the front some of these are glorious so we have Courtney Duffus or is that, that, that's the way it's pronounced is it? could be Duffus yeah it could be Duffus Courtney Duffus Lawrence Vigaro we have Harrison Reeves, we've Denzil Fernandez, Pierce Phillips, Mitchell Beanie, and Marco Tagbajumi. So uh, and don't forget our Joel Costa. But we've some crackers there. Yeah. So uh, I actually ran a poll for best name. Who won? Uh, Denzel won actually. Denzel, oh, a, I might vote with Denzel. Yeah, he's a cold player. What a name! And poor Joel got knocked out in the semi-finals by one percent. One percent. How so close was that? Mister Costa. Here's Won't a go. Here's a good one though. Sligo had a player on trial called Celestine Lazarus. Celestine Lazarus. Now wow. you can't top that. <laughs> Cannot top that. And thankfully uh, a player is still with Longford now and that is Tristan Noah Kaufman. Tristan Noah Kaufman. Yeah, quite the, quite the double barreler there. So we've more brace statements and uh, they they actually sent out it was like a, it was like a wrestling promo. <laughs> they, they sent out a challenge to uh, to some journals yeah. and they said give us your evidence of any players not being paid and I love uh, how they kept mentioning them by name Reardon and Cowser yeah it was nuts and they, they even said something about donating money to a hospice or some sort of uh, event that they have coming on yeah basically whoever is in the wrong has to donate to a charity <laughs> it wasn't quite North Korea levels of insanity but it was still I want to meet the guy who was giving these statements. It, it was still be, bonkers. It has yeah. been bonkers. It has been yeah. the same guy. If it is the same guy, we need to get him on the show and fill him full of cans. Can <laughs> you imagine the madness coming out of him? So on Sunday, 20, February 25th, the 19th drew 3 all in a friendly with Atlone at Roadstone. 
And the day before that, also at Roadstone, Damien Duff's under-15 side continued their pre-season programme with a 4-1 win against league newcomers Carlo Kilkenny. So they've joined up. And a, a belated happy birthday to Duffer. He turned 39 on Friday. Duffer's not the big 4-0, yeah? No. And then we had Evan Caffrey and Sammy Clark, who've been called up to the Ireland under-15s for the two Cypress friendlies this week. And Lukey Bourne said, Evan is our Rovers under-15s captain, Regular ball boy and childhood fan and his granddad played for Rovers. Who was his granddad, Prof? Theo Dunn. Theo Dunn. So it's they're keeping it in the family, which is fantastic. It's what we like to see. And uh, there were five Rovers players in the Ireland under-16 squad. So our Roadstone project is finally bearing some fruit. And uh, the games against Hungary in Budapest. So Alex Dunn, Luke Turner, Keen Kelly, James Forlong all played in the two defeats with Gavin Bazunu playing in the first game. Can't wait to see this guy in the first team. So the, the Development Academy was cancelled on Sunday before the match. So hopefully back on the following Sunday. Uh, the Rovers Megastore will be back open on Thursday. So uh, you can do your shopping online. You can get your, all your tracksuits and hats and all sorts of mugs and lovely Rovers gear. And your pink beanie hats. Your pink beanie hats. Yeah, so next up we have uh, Con Murphy. Uh, his new podcast, Greatest League in the World. Hashtag Greatest League in the World. And uh, Carl caught up with him. So we're going to roll that one out. I'm here with Con Murphy, the host of The Greatest League in the World, the new official weekly podcast of the League of Ireland. It's great to have you back involved with the League, Con. Thanks. And so who approached you with the idea? When did it all come about and did you jump at the opportunity? Uh, well, first of all, can I just say how proud I am that this is my second appearance on Tales from the East Stand, which is far more important than Greatest League <laughs> in the World. Uh, it's, it's a real honour. I, I love your podcast, by the way. Thank anyway. you. Um, I spoke to Fran Gavin in the FAI last year and they were very keen to do a podcast and already, as you know, there are a good few podcasts around, but they were keen to um, do one as well. There seems to be a big appetite for podcasts, as I'm sure you're aware yourselves. Um, And so when he asked me, I said I'd love to do it because the biggest thing I've missed, I'm I'm gone from RTE now about um, six years and the, the one like I've, I've kept myself busy but the one thing I've missed is talking about the thing that I love the most which is the League of Ireland so um, once they asked it was a no-brainer for me um, and when I heard that Conan Byrne was going to be involved I thought that's brilliant because it gives us a it's just something a bit different you know something that the other podcasts maybe don't have to have a player who you know, can talk about his experiences of what's happened over the weekend and stuff. So I was really pleased about that. Even though he plays for St. Pat's, Conan's a great guy. Um, so we're only two programs in, and I think it's still a little bit um, of an evolving thing. I know you played your first program recently on was it your hundredth edition or something like that? Or, or anyway, it was you were you were referring back to your first ever program, yeah, yeah. and even I think you yourself said at the end that. You know, we've come a long way and we've improved a lot since we did the first one. I'm hopeful that our one will kind of evolve and the relationship between me and Conan will develop and stuff as well. But yeah, the first couple have been pretty well received and so we're pretty pleased with the way it's going. You mentioned the explosion of League of Ireland podcasts in the last year or so. Uh, Soccer Republic have one now. Is there enough hours in the day to listen to them all? Well, I listened to about six of them last week anyway. Um, I mean, I suppose some people would pick and choose. Um, for me, you can never have too much of a good thing, and I just I love listening to people's opinions and the, the various interviews that are carried on the other um, podcasts and so on. So for me, it's great. If I get in the car, if I'm going on a journey or something, stick it on. If I'm at home, 
chopping vegetables for the dinner, stick another one on. And I'd rather be listening to that than Joe Duffy or Marion Finucan. Uh, everyone knows about your radio work at Radio Nova, doing the Olympics and Sunday sport for RT Radio uh, for many years. But is this your first ray into podcasting? It is. And to be honest with you, I'm delighted that it's been kind of produced by the FAI because I don't know how you guys do what you do. Like Technically, I'm probably the worst person in the world. I can't change a plug. I can't... Well, I can just about change a light bulb. But technically, when it comes to stuff like computers and all that kind of stuff. I sound really old now, but I'm rubbish at all that kind of stuff. So I didn't have to worry about how do you get it up onto iTunes or how do you get SoundCloud involved and all that kind of stuff. That's all done. I just go into the studio and talk, uh, which I can get away with. Um, So from that point of view, it is my first podcast, mainly because previously I wouldn't have really known how to get it going. That's how bad I am technically, but... Well, speaking as an experienced podcaster, I've got 41 episodes on my belt. So speaking as an experienced podcaster, to a rookie, if you ever want any advice, <laughs> my door is always open, Con. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something. I, I wouldn't be able to live without your stats, which are, <laughs> and I'm not joking you, they are brilliant. And I'm not, uh, it sounds like I'm buttering you up now because I've said your podcast is great and your stats are great. But they are, they're really good. And for the league, I know a lot of other broadcasters, radio people, newspaper people use your stats and, and don't always give you the credit that you deserve. But I think that is brilliant. So I will always bow to your statistics 100%. I think you do a brilliant job and, and long may that continue. Thanks very much. Uh, where do you record the show? We do it in a place uh, called uh, Unique Media, which is a, a recording studio near, kind of near... Um, uh, where is it near? <laughs> uh, near Wexford Street, near kind of between Wexford Street and Christchurch Cathedral. It's a brilliant place, actually. They do a lot of um, voiceovers for documentaries and ads and all that kind of stuff there. It's it's like a proper uh, radio studio. I mean, it's no Johnny Blues, in fairness, but uh, it's a really good place. They're brilliant as well. Like they're really quick. If if we, we I made one fluff last week. Uh, in fact I made a few one which went out on air which I was a bit annoyed about but um, I made a fluff and just pick it up you know they do their little edit and everything continues so they're really good people um, so if you ever give up on Johnny Blues I'd recommend Unique Media that won't happen anytime soon <laughs> but, uh, you mentioned Conan Byrne as your co-host it's probably unusual in any league for an active player to host a podcast are there advantages and disadvantages to have someone so affiliated with a club yeah, um, I don't know if there is another podcast where a player who's currently playing in the league kind of co-hosts it. Um, from our point of view, like it's just I love hearing him talk about you know his relationship with referees. This week he was talking about the goal he scored against Bray, and he, a he was able to confirm that it was a fluke, and b he was able to confirm that he was like told to make the run by Owen Garvin, who was taking a quick free kick. Owen put it on his toe and, and he scored and, and to get the kind of little bits of insight you know whether it's something from the dressing room I think that's brilliant I do think he is slightly hamstrung in that if uh, a discussion comes up about the standard of refereeing in the league or something he can't be overly critical certainly of individuals uh, because they might be refing his match you know a week or two down the road um, so he's a little bit held up when it comes to that kind of stuff but uh, in general, I think it's really good to to have somebody who's playing involved, and and I'm really enjoying. He's a really nice guy. 
scores a few too many goals against Rovers, but apart from that, he's all right. He's saying it's true and true. You're a proud hoop, so I'm sure you'll do your best to counteract any Pat's bias that may infect the show throughout the season. Definitely. Actually, the first couple of weeks now, I've kind of kept the the Rovers stuff to a bit of a minimum because I, I, when I was doing MS, I was slaughtered so often by the fans from the other clubs. Um, but I think as the season goes on, it'll probably sneak out all right. And as Rovers start winning matches, which I think they'll probably start doing tonight against Bray, fingers crossed, um, then, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about them more, especially if they're pushing for the, uh, at least Europe anyway. You had Michael D. Higgins on the first episode. Not the first League of Ireland <laughs> podcast he's ever been on, of course. But it's fantastic to have a president self-supportive of our league, isn't ah, it? Jesus, brilliant. I mean, I know we were second behind you in, in having him on a, a podcast, but I just I love him. Uh, I just love his enthusiasm for the game, for the league. And he is, like, he's a regular at here in, in Tala. He's a regular at Dalymount. He's a regular at... Um, Terryland or Eamon DC Park and go and also he goes to Pats a lot so he just loves the game he loves the league and we I've said it before but I, we will never ever ever have a president of this country who's more into um, League of Ireland football than Michael D and and he's just so enthusiastic as well like when I was in Galway he was he was just sitting in the middle of the stand alright he did have a kind of a, a minder beside him or whatever but like when they scored he was on his feet and his arms were aloft and he was high-fiving and he was a proper fan, you know, and that's what we want. It's, it's brilliant to see. You had uh, Paul Doolan and Stephen Ward on the show as well. What sort of features and guests can we look forward to for the rest of the year? Um, we have a, I think in Programme 3 now, it's not 100% confirmed, but I'd say it's 95% confirmed. We're going to have uh, a referee, uh, an active referee in studio. Um, it's not Buttermer, is it? I... I no <laughs> I'm not sure I could sit in the same room as him <laughs> uh, it's not him um, but it's not 100% confirmed so I'm not sure but uh, we will be talking to a lot of players hopefully who've played in the league who, the likes of Seamus Coleman uh, James McLean um, you know players who've played here and have gone uh, Martin O'Neill is coming in in a few weeks time as well um, and Asher you never know Whoever's, whoever's around when we're recording <laughs> but it'd be great to get Martin I'd be interested to see what he has to say about the league especially because that would probably kind of focus on that as you say feedback has been very positive so far yeah I mean it's early days and I remember when MNS started on RTE TV the feedback for the first few weeks was unbelievable um, f- because fans hadn't had it before the the Jesus, we were getting unbelievable praise and all this kind of stuff. As the weeks go on and the weeks turn into years, people start picking faults with it and saying they don't like such and such a reporter or we should have had you know this, that and the other at a match. Um, and I kind of have a funny feeling that as we go on, people will start finding fault with the fact that you know Conan's Pats or you know I follow Rovers or whatever. Um, but I, I touch wood, the uh, feedback so far has been really really positive and the numbers I think I don't get to see the exact uh, numbers of downloads and all that again I'm so bad technically I just um, I leave that to somebody else but they're uh, really happy I think with the numbers so far and it kind of shows that there's a there's an appetite out there for uh, League of Ireland you know already we have all those other podcasts and you know from your own feedback people love talking about the game and getting involved and stuff so you know hopefully it'll continue on so if uh, you want to hear from Con and how he got into following Rovers his favourite hoops players you can go back to May 4th on our episode and it's the last 15 minutes of that one he yeah. gave us an exclusive that day 
Yeah, thanks to Connie. He's quite complimentary towards towards us and myself as well. So he's doing a fine job, as you would expect from Connie. Yeah, Con. I mean, what have we got? We've got eight League of Ireland podcasts now. I've lost count. Keep them coming. I mean, it's it's definitely good for the league. It's fantastic. So hopefully it keeps happening. More exposure, more people getting interested. There's the greatest league in the world book as well, but I'm still waiting for it to arrive. I think I got it about three weeks ago. They sell they sold way more than they expected, so they order a second print. Oh, brilliant! It's good to hear. Yeah, and yours truly may feature in the next oh, edition, Gar. Lovely. So if I suddenly go corporate in the next couple of months, you'll know <laughs> because I will technically be on the FEI's payroll. Oh, lovely! I like that. So Paul Curry was on Soccer Republic Extra, their podcast. He wrote an article for RTE about the Rovers Academy. Yeah, so he's very complimentary about our academy there, and uh, fair play to Paul. He, at least he's doing something while he's in his retirement. I mean, a lot of people might just kind of fall off the radar. Uh, so we got our first win of the season against Bray on Monday 6-0. Absolutely spanked them. And there was four changes with Trevor Clark back from suspension ahead of Lukey. And it took him 17 minutes to get booked. 17 minutes, the first thing I said to you, I said, Carl, <laughs> he's going to get booked after 17 minutes. He absolutely bore someone in the middle of the park. <laughs> I think it was essential that he did it, though. So we'd Sam Bowen in for Greg Bulger, which was a shock. What do you think, Prof? Well, he had a knee injury, as it turned out. Yeah, and I have to say, he was like Tom Brady in the middle of the park, slinging balls left, right, and spraying them around. Spraying them around like a quarterback. And uh, Bulger has a knee injury, so he was out. We had Sean Gandalf Kavanagh. This guy's left foot. It's got magical properties, man. It's amazing. I reckon he could play the fiddle with it if he wanted. It's but his assist or the second assist came from his, his, right, his, foot. his right foot. Yeah. His right foot, absolutely gorgeous. So it was. Uh, he was in for Joel Costa, and Dan Carr was in place of Shawzi. So a goal and an assist for Carr, two assists and a goal for Cabinet on their first starts for the club, and a magical celebration from Mister Carr that oh, that yeah. got the crowd going even more than the goal. <laughs> I turned to you and I said, "He's just another backflip." He's Unbelievable. Expect the unexpected at Tallis Stadium. And interestingly, no 30-year-olds on the pitch. No 30-year-olds on the pitch? Yeah. Our average age, that starting 11, was 22.81. Wow. That says a lot. Yeah. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. The snow was falling on and off in Tallis. Beautiful sight. Name name another time the snow fell watching Rovers and Tallis. It was, it was splendid. It was beautiful, wasn't it? I can't think of it. No, I can't. No, it was beautiful. And uh, we're going to break it down now. We're going to break down the game and we're going to talk about Bork. So the first passage of players I spoke about earlier was Ali G. He buried a pass into someone up top. I think the ball broke and then Kavanagh. Quick thinking, first, little pa- first time pass and then Bork walloped the ball like a cannonball. First time left foot, that's what he has. That's what Bork has in, and that's why you want to give him that freedom. Let him go up there, up top and just do that and he can off the barn in. Absolute cannonball of a goal. Absolute cracker, and it was just—it was so perfect because the keeper was ruled to the spot. It was in off the crossbar. It was just the perfect goal. One of those where the keeper just looks and he's yeah. like, "Oh, can't do yeah anything about it." Conceded a goal there, absolutely stunning. So the way he hit it too, it was like he stroked it, but it was really powerful at it, the same time. It was a powerful stroke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, matron. <laughs> yeah, and here's another stat: it was our 400 goal at Tala. So an absolute screamer for our 400 goal attack. Now the first half itself, I thought we were impressive enough. We dominated really and uh, the second half, Brando was back two minutes after the break and uh, a bit of magic from Kavanagh out wide. He, he, it was a fantastic cross on his right foot. Great work down the flank. Yeah. And Brando 
it was a typical finish from Brando. Just buried it. You mm. put Brando in front of the goal like that, he's going to score. Mm. That's the thing. And that goes back to the to the theory that I had of playing him up front <laughs> for a couple of games, which could be possible. I mean, you put Brando in the box, he's going to finish anything put in front of him. That's the way I feel anyway. He's the best finisher, one of the top three in the league. Well, we've, we've mentioned him a couple of times already, Sean O'Connor. He's actually been clamouring for 4-3-3 for quite a while now. He mm. wants uh, Carr, Mele and Burke up top. What a, what a partnership. Interesting. And it's interesting enough because, I mean, Shawsy, it could be quite harsh to drop Shawsy, but, I mean, that just clicked against Bray. So so then the floodgates opened. The floodgates opened, and this goal was, I think I enjoyed this one the most, because <laughs> Dan had the ball out left, right? Yeah. And he, he has this habit of letting the player commit that's trying to take the ball off him, and he just skins them like that. It's 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 quite... um it's I don't know what to I'm not sure how to describe it but he, he lets them commit and then he just has this burst of pace and he beats them and then the cross and the oncoming run and header from McAllister <laughs> was just a thing of beauty I yeah. think Dunster said it was very Brian Robson-esque yeah. he has a, run, he has a d- very distinctive heading style doesn't he like I even before I can even see the number on his jersey I'm just I see the leap I'm like yeah that's yeah, David Mack that's, that's him yeah. but it was a fantastic goal it really was and fantastic work from Dan Carroll it was brilliant and uh, Davy Mack is quite the joker in the dressing room. He has a, a wheel of fortune <laughs> that we know. Now me and Prof are sitting there waiting to interview him and we could see into the room and he had this wheel of fortune thing and we just didn't take and, and didn't think much of it. But then Lukey came out giving, Lukey. giving out because he's been forced to dance three times. Yeah. Now. So you spin it, you somehow you have to donate a fiver or you have to sing for 30 seconds and Lukey ended up having to sing for 30 seconds three times in a row. So there's there's definitely good good atmosphere within the players and and Davy Mack is the is kind of the the ringleader there. He's the instigator. Yeah, yeah the instigator. So I move on to Carr's goal as well, and uh, it, it it kind of looked like it got away from him, didn't it? It kind of looked like the chance was dead. I want to say something interesting about this goal actually because it was Trevor Clark's true ball. Yeah. And he rounded the keeper, and it really wasn't easy. The way he went around the keeper, and the defender was pressuring him. So. I'd argue that no Robert striker has scored a one-on-one that comfortably from an awkward angle since Twig. Ooh. Because. That's a great show. They're not the type of goals that Shaw or Mele score. No, because he had work to do. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't put in. He still had work to do. He he kind of, when he dragged it a little bit left, I thought to myself, it's he, it's too far. He, he's after losing this chance. And then they went over, he just took a shot. And it went in. And the magical, uh, and uh, the song was born, actually. What was it? Um, the song that opened this week's show. The yeah. song that opened this week's yeah. show. Yeah. Son of my father. Yeah. Son of my father. So that was that was bar. And then some people started to sing in the tune of Daddy Cool, which I thought was a, a little bit no, off. But leave, leave, dr- that, leave that to leave Shazzy. that for Shazzy. Yeah. It was drowned out eventually. And yeah. uh, fantastic work by Carr and great goal. And the celebration, like we said, was it really captured the imagination of the fans. Yeah. So he could be a fan favorite. I know we're one one full debut in, but it's looking good. Flashback to Noel Hunt. He used to do the old flips in the flashbacks and Noel yeah. Hunt. Yeah. He gave the seal of approval on Twitter as well. Oh and yeah, was, he was yeah. happy enough. Yeah. If you saw there's a great picture of him online where he's mid air or mid flip, and you can just see the Cliftonville Shea Guevara flag. Oh yeah, the Cliftonville Dublin flag. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Brazzer says he's doing it all the time in training, and he's worried that he's going to injure himself. Oh, flipping around in training. <laughs> yeah. Every goal he scores in training, he's flipping around. I'd say he had words with him when he took him off. I'd say he said to him don't you be flipping anymore you're going to break an ankle <laughs> there's been a couple of instances of players being injured when, uh, during celebrations but then we move on to uh, Mr. Kavanagh Sean Gandalf Kavanagh 
I mean, this this guy has a wand, staff of a left foot. Absolutely magical how this guy's left foot. I mean, when he was stepping up, I just thought to myself, oh, this guy's got a bit of a, he's, he's got fantastic technique. I reckon he could bury this. He hammered it home. I didn't even think of him as a free kick taker. No. I know I don't know much about him yet, but... He must be lethal in training. I mean, for him to just come into the team like that and take free kicks. There was some power in that wow. shot. I'm surprised he didn't burst the net. Yeah, absolute cracker. And um, really played, good. He played in three different positions in the game. I think you you were fascinated that he switched with Trevor Clark at left back mid game, not for injury related reasons. I loved it. Can yeah. anyone else out there name a time that we switched our left winger to our left full, our left full to our left winger at any stage, at any game? Because I've never seen that before. I've never seen yeah. like he 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 was playing I think left wing, and then he went left full, and then he went right wing. But him and Trevor switched on the left side. I think the reason he switched to right was because Miele wasn't tracking back and Boyle was under I think pressure. So, yeah, he was getting a bit of trouble there and he and he, yeah. and he snuffed that out because Duffy was really impressive. No, no, sorry, not, not Duffy. It was uh, that young guy, number seven. He was quite good. We commented on him for Bray. He was quite uh, neat and he was he was he was opening us up at times. But for him to play left wing and left wing, left wing, left back and left wing in the same game, I thought it was really cool. Uh, but Kavanagh looks a real find. I mean, when was the last time? A player debuted in February, and you thought, "Shit, we'll be able to hold on to him." I know. In July, I really, I mean, and where's his best position as well? Because he played three positions. We don't know where to put him. Trevor Clark is best at left full, and key, and because of Trevor's uh, piercing runs, you're, you're better off having Kavanaugh up the pitch where he'll do damage with his delivery and those shots and going. He had one shot and goal in the in the first half as well, stunned the keeper's palms, and he had to knock it out for a corner. So I think that's the position you're going to be looking at him in an advanced left wing position, letting him whip in balls for Carr or Shazi and having shots whenever he gets a bit of space because he is absolutely lethal with that left foot. And even his right, like you said, we had an assist with his right foot as well. So as you mentioned, Carr will become a fan's favourite. So two players to get really excited about. I know, yeah. Karen Kavanagh. I think it's what it's what the team needed, that little injection. It really makes you game. look forward to the games now. Oh yeah. You, you do anyway, fun. but you know, seeing these new players, see what they do next, you know. Yeah, so Melee six 0 This was an excellent finish as well. Uh how this this is actually if you go back to Portugal against um who do we play in Portugal where Boyd scored? It was the last game, North It was the Hopping. last game, I think it was North North yeah. Shopping. And he worked really hard to get anywhere near that ball. Same again. Look how hard he worked. He made that goal himself. He, yeah. Look how hard he worked to get that assist. He he absolutely hammered defenders. He dogged them. And then he uh, squared it and Brando once again. Put Brando in there. He's going to finish those chances. Super finish. And excellent team goal. Yeah, so five different scores in that game. Five different scores. So we know we've got goals all over the park. I know you and many others were calling for Brando to be drops. And like, yeah, he wasn't tracking back. And he didn't do much at all in the first two games. But I think he's worth his place in the team just for those finishes. Just because he can finish. And But you could say that about Bork as well. Bork, Bork can be a little bit indisciplined at times as regards to tracking back and his positional sense. And sometimes just taking random shots for 40 yards. Mm. But we know he can score them. But he, him and Brandon were coaches' dreams. For you to mould and sculpt them into the players you want to be. Mm. That they, they should be a coach's dream, you know. I just think they'll be nice to care or whoever... Where they'll have an off night and they won't be able to find a net, but Melee will just stick one away. That's the thing, yeah. He if, scores goals that other players can't. And if you get him into those positions, like we said, and if he keeps advancing the way he does in those mm. games and getting him to those positions. Yeah, so Bray, were were they poor or were we just brilliant, Prof? Uh, they were poor. They did get a nil all draw 
in Oriel Park. I mean, they went up to Oriel, got a draw, so it's they're they're not terrible. They're not absolutely horrible, but they they are going to struggle. Yeah. I mean, when I saw Hugh Douglas and Sean Heaney centre half, I thought to myself, we need to expose these. <laughs> There's no way we're going to come away without anything less but a, but three points. You have to be pleased with how ruthless you were. When was the last time we were that ruthless around goal? No, oh, it's fantastic to see, and it's a. Uh, it was our biggest win in all competitions since the Satanta Cup final. Remember, um, seven one over Drada. Over Drada, that was w- five years ago. And will this our biggest win since five years? Mm. And will this uh, will the break and the snow affect us as regards to our momentum? We're going to be going into the dirty game. Every, well, everybody will, in fairness. But I everyone's in the I same I would have boat. liked to have yeah. getting the Limerick game out of the way. I thought we would have beat them. And uh, yeah, so that was brave. Where I think the final analysis is that they they are going to struggle and they're they're going to be poor. Well, after the first two games, you're thinking, did everyone get it wrong about Limerick? Because bar that uh, Stokes, they would have had six points in the first two games. Yeah, true. And huh? Bray got that draw in uh, in Dundalk. But then the Monday comes around, and Bray are are, are beating six nil, and Limerick are beating eight nil, and you're thinking, well, everyone was right then. Yeah, it's yeah. hard, isn't it? It's hard to judge. We'll move on now, and we have Owen Rice, a podcast favorite, and uh, he said we're not in a. F- he said were it not for ten minutes of lunacy in Daily Mail, we'd be celebrating a great start to the season, which is very true, mm-hmm. very true. And you had Ronan Coughlin at Bray now, who was in the middle of the park, neat enough little player, but couldn't really cause us much damage. He was. Uh, remember, we, he played a trial game. You played in that Cardiff game, and he was actually with us in the summer of last year. Um, but we ended up signing Cameron King instead so he came back to us in January and he was told that there's an interview he came out with recently he was told that he would have to wait for a body to go out before he could sign for Rogers yeah Yeah. so then he went to break and well we had uh, just over 1500 in attendance and that's not too bad considering the I mean it was a Monday night it was Baltic it was Baltic I mean, it, it's Monday nights are, are brutal for football, let's be honest. It was Monday, it was Bray, it was cold. Monday, Bray and cold, there, summed up more. But it's just when you look at the figures in black and white, we went from 5,500 to 1,5,000. I saw Barney on Facebook, he wasn't happy that Sligo and Waterford got better crowds on the Monday. I see his point, but actually 1,500 for that game, put in perspective, it wasn't bad. Yeah, considering Bray... Well, who are Waterford and Sligo playing? Well, Sligo are what home to the champions, Cork. So Cork brought how many? At least 400, I'd say. And Waterford are back in the top five for the first time in over 10 years. Yeah. So so there's a buzz around the place. There's a novelty there. Let's be honest, if, if if any other team, likes of, I don't know, let's say Pats, or, they would have brought a couple of hundred to Talent, but Bray literally brought like 30 people. Max 50. So that's what you're looking at. That's where you could probably... Count the uh, the extra three or four hundred down for so, but uh, it was still five hundred more than a certain north side team in their Tuesday game, up in Castle Grey School, <laughs> uh, Mordor, uh, a home to Derry. So as Maloney said, uh, they're only there to see the Rovers. Yeah, natural order has been restored. Natural order has been restored, and Stokes missed a penalty in the ninetieth minute. So uh, the mind games have been yeah. won by Shields. So he scored the last minute equaliser. And then the following game, he missed the last yeah, minute penalty. Yeah. Yeah. So we're ahead of balls on the table for just 180 minutes after that daily mount disaster. And remember them singing, we're top of the league? God. So we have a quote here from Ben Stafford. 
Ben Stafford said, I can't understand the hype and pressure we put on ourselves over a Bowes game. He said, we put so much emphasis on making it our game of the season. Biggest rivals, etc. He said, don't get me wrong, it's great to beat them, but fuck them. They're only a small club with odd moments of success, but will never be at our level as a club. So why give them the opportunity to be in the spotlight? They are insignificant. Once again, my opinion, but Rover's biggest challenges over the years for both players and fans have been mainly going away to the strong county teams at particular times. Dundalk, Cork, Limerick... Athlone, Warford, Sligo, so chill out about balls. They aren't really worth it. So it's a, it's quite an apt statement. I mean, we have struggled going down to Cork and in these provincial away teams, so it's mm. I'd, I'd probably agree with that to a certain extent. And then we're going to talk about other results that happened on the night of the Bray game. We had Waterford winning 2-0 at Pats with a Bastien Henri cracker. It was um, it was high to a bit too much on nine. I, when I when I saw it when when I saw the caption, I thought, "Geez, this is going to be an absolute screamer." It was a good it was a good long range goal. Mm. It wasn't that special. It wasn't that Borky could come up. Burks was better. Yeah, yeah, Burks was an absolute screamer. And then we had Cork beating Sligo four one in the showgrounds. We both losing in the uh, the depths of hell to Derry, and then we had Dundalk smashing Limerick eight nil. So nil all a tada between Rovers and Dundalk. On the Friday, and then fourteen goals between us in the next games. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. And then we had Limerick fans who were arrested for chucking snowballs at the Lino. I can only imagine if we had gone down to Limerick, what would have went on? <laughs> it wouldn't have snow. It would have been nuts. A fair play to the fans, though. Apparently, they were singing right to the end, eight 0 down. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Where you you just realise you're being absolutely spanked and you've nothing else to do. So fuck it, let's get behind the team. It's happened a few times with Rovers. Remember us against Cork in the Cup? 5 yeah. 0 down. There you go. That's that part- atmosphere was rocking in fairness. It's just how it happens, I suppose. Yeah, it's just how it happens. And then with Kempes, he'd noticed a fixture pattern this season. He said, The next six games are playing teams who played Dundalk the week before. So if Dundalk are winning, we're facing a team every week, most likely lost the week before. Lazy cut and paste fixture planning by the FAI, which I think gives us a strong advantage over a proper random set of fixtures from a momentum point of view. E.g. Limerick were trashed by Dundalk, who were supposed to face us at the weekend. That's that's pretty uh, yeah. eagle-eyed from him, wasn't it? That was a great spot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the club put out a call for someone who could do video work to rejoin or to join the media team, and it was answered, Carl. Yeah, Derek answered the call. He's a, a League of Ireland fan from Fairhouse who just wanted to get involved with the league. Yeah, he works for 98FM, amongst others. So he has bags of experience, and you can already see from the two clips we've done so far. That's going to be a great addition. I, I got on to you the second I saw that new video and I said, who is this guy? I says, I'm loving his work. Yeah, it's all done with an iPhone. No way. There's a microphone going into the iPhone, yeah. And didn't George Kelly or Bobby say that? They, I think it was George. He, he yeah. could said he could do your whole wedding on an iPhone now because the cameras are so good. Yeah. We got some feedback into my first ever video interview with Bradzer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gene Craig said, great interview. And uh, Walter Walper said, what a clueless twat. <laughs> Walter Walper. Yeah. So that was very helpful. Thanks for that. Another one we have to get in. Was he calling you the twat or Bradzer? Bradzer. Well. You hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Soccer Republic could put that up now since, you know, they see him as a voice of the people. Yeah, that's it. I don't think he's real. I think he's fake. If anyone knows Walter Walper, please confirm if he's real. Probably sits in the West End. Um, yeah, so uh, we have a new format of questions from questions from the East End. So, Prof... Uh, you want to give it a quick run down there and let the let the fans know. Well, this might sound contrived, but we've we've retroactively docked a point from Trevor Clark from last <laughs> season because remember we handed him that first one. Oh yeah. 
So that put him down to three points. So basically, anyone with only three points or less is in danger of having to qualify for the last 16 of the cup. So we're throwing some of those low scorers in with the new signings and there's going to be six qualifying matches. So you have to win those to get a place in the last 16 what of the cup. The, what, what about the coefficients? Uh, I wouldn't go that far now. Get Dan <laughs> Fulham on board to help us out. Yeah, so it's uh, it's going to be really interesting and uh, we're going to roll out that clip now. We had Trev Clark versus Joey O'Brien in our brand new format of questions from the East End. So we're here in the Rollstone and we're back for questions from the East End season two and has a twist. Uh, last year we quizzed the whole squad, we made a league table of scores and Luke Boom won the trophy by beating James down in a playoff. So this time it's going to be a cup competition, so a knockout format all the way through. And who better to start with than Trevor Clark? We did our first ever quiz with you, Trev, and uh, Tomer last year around. And uh, Trev is going to go head to head with one of our newest signings, Joey O'Brien. It wasn't a head to head like this one. It'll be 10 questions each going back and forth between the two of you. So Trev, Joey, Trev, Joey, and, and so on. So whoever gets the most answers right goes out. Uh, it goes through, oh, and the next round, who's it? So, so Carl is our referee, and uh, he's going to call you if you take too long. Half favourite, yeah. So, alright. So, how well, many? How long do you have to answer? Carl's going to be the ref, so he'll whatever, read out the rules there. Yeah. Whatever he sees fit. <laughs> so we'll have a toy break around if it's a draw. Four second rule, Four seconds. So we're going to start with uh, we're going to start with Trev. So Trev, there's two League One clubs left in the FA Cup. Name one. There's a League of Ireland connection with both of them. I don't know, I can't remember. I can't think of off the top of my head. Right, so we can't. And Joey, give us one of those teams. Um, oh, he played. Oh, you know what? I can't get it over him. I can't give Trev one. I can't give Joey one. That's too long. We're going to have They're to call time have on this, bro. They have a replay with somebody. Rochdale. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, that's it. Just about to call <laughs> time on him there. We had about 20 seconds. seconds, you said. The, uh, the connection, time. Cookie, well, the other one was Wigan. Cookie was the gaffer there. And Rochdale was a former. Delaney was the centre half for Cork. So, Trev, what club did Joey O'Brien make his first ever league appearance for? <laughs> Bolton. No, it's Sheffield Wednesday. And Joey, what English club did Trevor Clark begin his career at? Middlesbrough. <laughs> yes, straight oh, off the bat. That's poxy, that. <laughs> uh, Trev, Dan Carr's previous club was in which country? His previous club? Last club he played for before all. Oh, he played for Sweden. Yeah, good man. <laughs> and uh, Joey, what do Greg Bulger and Eden Boyle have in common? Both from Wexford. Yeah. <laughs> That's very easy, Oates. Very easy one's going. Trev, how many times have Rovers won the FAI Cup? Six times, has it? Six <laughs> times, bro. Can you believe that? No, it's uh, 24. Where the holders with the record. I wasn't even born when they were winning that. True. And uh, Joey, how many times have we won the league? Fourteen. Seventeen. Oh. Trev, the movie I Tanya is about which Olympic sport? Oi Tanya. He's not killing me here. I know. Olympic sport. I know. 
Não. Não. Figure skating. Is that not offered to me? No. No, we have yours set here. We have yours set here. And Did he not get one going? I don't know. Name any actor in the new Jumanji film. Uh, the Rock. The Rock, yeah, that'll do. Dwayne Johnson. These are choice. And we have Trev, Earth is located in which galaxy? <laughs> the Milky Way. And Joey, what causes tides on Earth? The gravitational pull of the moon and the sun. Trev, who wore Joey's number 18 last season? Joey, you're one of three players in the squad of our tourty. Who are the others? Palma. Yeah. And Ron. Yeah, Ron. Good man. Paul Curry never even played, so couldn't even see Trev, name the three monster clubs in the Premier Division. In the Monster Where's the Monsters uh Province. Province in Ireland. Who's that? Who's that? I don't know. I'm having a no. <laughs> that is that one? offered to me? No. Is that a dirty <coughs> dirty is it? No, it's not dirty. And what is the longest river in Ireland, Joey? Yep, yeah. Shannon. Joey, or Trev, what is three quarters of eight? Of what? Three quarters of the digit eight. What is three quarters of eight? Should be getting this. Basic math, quick math. Six, is it? Yeah, six, come on. Match 11 went to skill. And Joey, what in the game? Rock, paper, scissors. Who beats rock? Paper. Yeah, paper. And finally, they're easy ones for him. A thermometer is used to measure what? Temperature. Yep. And what is the penultimate letter of the English alphabet? X. Boy. It's the second oh. last. Yeah. I knew that as well. X. So the prop oh, is doing up the scores now. X. Y. Z. Yeah, Joey wins 7-3. So Joey edges it 7-3. So Joey's true to the, the next round, yeah? That's one the win for So that's it from uh, questions from the East End today. You're a joke then. I was up against, I had a few more years experience of general knowledge. Ask me things so. I hadn't a clue. So that's it from the lads and um, what do you think of that, Prof? I remember Trev saying the exact same thing last year. He said, you're killing me. And he tried to do the same thing again, tried to look at the answers beforehand. <laughs> yeah. He tried to sneak a look. Yeah. But he was really interested in it, in fairness though. He yeah. thought it was going to be a bit of crack. But um, yeah, he was uh, he was soundly beaten, beaten in the end. So uh, Lukey has officially began his defence of his crown. And he wanted to inspect the questions for us, in fairness, which we are happy to do because they're not his questions. We'll have his own tailor-made questions and uh, we'll decide who he's going to play. Yeah. soon enough when you mentioned earlier that uh, Tomer was, was hanging about and he looked at the questions so he was having a look through them afterwards and he knew the three clubs in Munster an Israeli Canadian knew it and Trevor didn't in the country max a year and, and poor old Trevor didn't know it that was poor oh man 
So we've dairy on the Friday and Cork on the Monday, so we're going to do our start 11s and predictions. Right, so barring any injuries or suspensions that crop up, I'm going to go with Horgan and goal. Mm. I think the two clean sheets. Two clean sheets in a row. What goalkeeping problem? <laughs> oh, by the way, I didn't mention this earlier. Back-to-back clean sheets in the league. We never did it last season. Not once. First time since September 2016. Wow, so no clean sheets back-to-back last year in the season. In the league. And we've already booked that trend. We did it in Europe, all right. games. Not the league. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Horgan and goal. Um, oh God, I don't know. I don't know. Should he still be dropped? It's it's a tough one. I'm going to go Horgan and goal, although I did say he's not experienced enough. But listen, it's it, it's more of a... I think he, no, he's going to start. So Horgan and goal. I'm going to go Trev Clark left full, but Boyle right full. Ali G and uh, Lee Grace centre half. I'm going to go Kavanagh left, left wing. And Brando on the right. Uh, McAllister and Finn in the middle. And it's got, I think I think Bulger might still be out. I'm going to presume he's still injured because he wasn't even in the squad. So I'm going to go with Bork and Danny Kerr up front. Well, it's hard to really change from the Bray game. Like, really shouldn't change it. But, but as for up front, this might sound a bit out of left field. But I'm going to go with Don Maddock. Up front. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he probably lacks any sort of experience at this level. Yes, he may be in Ghana right now with no possible means of transport to Tata. That's all immaterial. Because of the desire he has to play for Robbers. He, he is busy. I have to say, he is busy. But uh, I, I feel bad for him now at this stage because there's people <laughs> out there saying, I'm the, I'm the designer, yeah, I'll put you onto somebody. Somebody gave him the club phone number and said, ask for Brad. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, it is. I feel bad for him at this stage. Uh, well, my team is pretty much uh, bring Finn and Balger back in. Harsh and McAllister. Bring them back in if they're fit. But actually, I would like to start McAllister in Cork. Oh, yeah? I would like to see him get, play that one, yeah. stuck in down there. Yeah. I'm going to go with a 2-0 two, a home win to Derry. First time we've beaten a Kenny Shields team. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say... Ooh... Do you know what? I'm going to go for a two-all draw. First time I've ever predicted a draw. Oh my God. Two-all draw in Cork. And You've I just floored me. I've just floored you. Yeah, two-all Cork draw in uh, Turner's Cross. Mm. I'll be away for the dairy when I'm over in Eindhoven catching FC Eindhoven and Fortuna Siddard. I'm in mean, with the Fortuna Siddard boys at the away section so uh, I'll miss this one so the prof will be uh, I'll probably catch it somewhere. Hopefully I'll catch it on the TV somewhere when the bars are showing it in Eindhoven. But uh, I'll be at the Cork game, straight home and onto the Gary Twig bus, if it is gone. And um, the prof, what were you going to say, prof? Well, just my predictions, I'm going to say uh, uh, 2-1 win over Derry. And a low-scoring draw against Cork. I'll say, only say one all. I'm going to go for the one all. Yeah. yeah, so that's it. And we have, uh, that's our starting 11s and predictions. We have a big shout-out to Sean O'Fairgall, who's looking to for- who's looking forward to Derry. It'll be a forced game. He's seen in four years since moving to the US. I think Tahoop, another overseas listener, I think he was home for one of the recent games. So next time you're home, let us know. Um, we'll do an interview. Definitely, because yeah. Big supporter of the podcast. So any any overseas hoops, we definitely want want to get involved. And I I think I'll be doing we'll be doing some sort of piece on them soon anyway because um, I, I can only imagine how hard it is to follow the hoops from abroad. So uh, we'll move on now. We're going to talk about the new Brandywell. And I think they've gotten rid of the racetrack around the car. I have, yeah, which is 
a good thing. Uh, the stand is last more than originally planned. That's obvious. But uh, yeah, no Greyhound track, and they have a new bar built in, new facilities, so will it, it be is al- better. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, we'll be allowed in the bar. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw the video for the first Brandywell game. If that doesn't give you goosebumps, I don't know what will because it was it was something else. <laughs> uh, Bowls are a great one too in preseason, but. Uh, yeah, no, that Brandywell video was amazing. And uh, this is four games in now, and they still haven't played at the Reedavale Brandywell. And uh, Kenny Shields is on, he's on a moaning rampage, as we like. <laughs> he slammed them, saying that they actually the storm got them out of jail because it wouldn't have been ready anyway. Oh yeah, true. But, but yeah. then again, they, did they try and did they do any work on it while the storm was going on? So mm. it might just delay it even more, you know. Yeah. So a couple of stats. As Gary mentioned already, we've you've never beaten Derry under Kenny Shields, but lost all three meetings of them last season, but still finished above them. Mm. And we lost three times to Dundalk in 2010, if you remember that. And we won the league and they finished fifth. We won the other game 4-0. But that was the first time since 1982-83 that Rovers finished above a team they lost every game against. And that was Galway. And there's a stats statzilla again is on the is on the rampage, <laughs> but uh, now we're going to move on to uh, tips from the east end. If I throw a dog a bone, I don't want to know if it tastes good or not. Yeah, so tips from the east end, prof. I'm I'm pretty set in my ways for Friday. I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a three draw treble, and um, the old school classic. I'm going to go with Sligo and Waterford draw. I'm going to Dundalk, Cork draw, and Bowes and Pats draw. Stick a fiver on that. Should get you two hundred quid, I reckon. I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna mull over the Monday fixtures while you mull over the Fridays. I'm just gonna throw some out there under duress because you're making me <laughs> participate in this segment. So, Bows and Pats both teams to score. Bows and Pats both teams to score. So that's the Friday predictions. You want to win some money? Lump on. Get the wheelbarrow out. And for the Monday, anything that's catching my eye, I reckon maybe a dairy win. Force get home game at the Brandywell possibly. I think a dairy win at home. And Waterford win at home. So a nice little double there. How about minus one, Derry? Oh, minus one. Game. I think we'll go with that. Make it interesting. A combined choice from the prof and the king mm. of cans. Um, Waterford at home to, I think Waterford will beat both. And yeah, so that's your that's your tips from the East End for the weekend. So go out and make some cash. So uh, we've got uh, Derry on Friday. Then we've got the Cork Scoundrels on the Monday. We're playing away in Turner's Cross. Another fantastic fixture list from the FAI. Cork away on a Monday. And then after that, we will have... And then Limerick the following Monday. Limerick on the following Monday. So that's three trips to Munster in the same month. Two of them on Mondays. Welcome to the 10-team league, folks. Welcome to the 10-team league. The hatred is real already. It's already on the list of hatred. I can't see it being taken off anytime soon. Hashtag Munster March. Hashtag Munster March. So, uh, like I said, guys, make sure... The snow is gone and we can go out and follow the hoops again. Make sure you get your arses out to the East Stand. Park your arses on some supporters, buses and trains and get down and follow the hoops because what what else would you be doing in your weekend, your social life? So keep on hooping. See ya. Back to life. Back to reality. Back to